This is Podflix, episode 201. I'm Nish. I'm Paul. I'm Willie. All right. I'm We're... <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and there's Penny. <laughs> this is how we start our new hundred. Fourth member. <laughs> Washing water bottles in the background and just button in. Just chiming in. Yep. Nosy All teenagers. Right. All right, here we are. We're st- starting in the, the next hundred episodes. And hopefully, we'll get through these faster than what are they? it took us. It took us about two years, maybe less, to do our first hundred episodes, and then fifteen years 15 or years? so to do, to <laughs> to do, do the second hundred. I think. I think the next hundred are going to come in somewhere in between that. Somewhere in between. All right. Um, did we so, used to announce the? Did we used to announce the dates when we would be like, "Hey, it's we Sunday, did. December, or whatever." hundred oh, percent. We, we did. Yeah, we. I was way better at mixing back then. Yeah, I was like committed to getting to getting them out. Yeah, yeah. I think also we just did it to to mark so so people understood what we may or may not know about whatever was going on. It was oh, it was like the equivalent of us anything. holding up today's newspaper. As, as we recorded these these days just saying the episode number out loud feels like a big commitment. it really does yeah who knows when this will come out uh we say that although that's something you know, we said i was gonna say that's something we said a lot in the last hundred episodes who knows when this will come out yes it's like our unofficial that's motto re- yeah. that's what we should rename the show forget about um who knows what was, when I, tra- what was I tra- yeah what was i trying to rename the show before the name of the podcast it was already already out yeah partial agenda podcast yeah the slight agenda podcast we could still yeah right. we could still name it that um and and on the slight agenda podcast today oh uh, we um are gonna be um talking about the disney plus show Andor, the the star wars show um and we're gonna be doing it over two episodes um for two reasons um, the, the reason that we'd like everyone to believe is that there's a lot to talk about in this show, um, and a lot that goes on. And so we thought it would actually kind of make sense to do a little more of a deep dive into sort of the first half, more or less, and then the second half, which we'll do the next episode. The other reason, of course, is that we wanted to record, uh, this episode because, um, we're at least I'm going to be traveling very soon and won't be able to record. And we hadn't finished watching Andor yet. So we decided, well, let's just do an episode about the about the parts of Andor we watched already. So uh, I've been meaning to bring up with you guys that we should re-examine our policy of radical transparency on the show. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, Paul. I was like, hey, wait to be pros about it, guys. Let's just yep. pull yep. back the curtain. Yeah, well, we are, we are nothing. I, I feel like amateurism has been our brand. Ever since we started, I, I want to continue Ooh, I like that. that for a, like that it's for only a been fifteen years. Yeah, you want that it's for an amateurism is our brand. That's right. Now that Here is truth am. and Wait, that sounds bad. It sounds like a porn. Yeah, it's fair. Um, well, only if we said busty amateurism is our brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think in this episode we're going to go with. Um, there are 12 episodes in Andor season one, and I think we're going to go through episode seven, I believe. 
Um, oh. That's that's kind of a point. That's sort of a, a a good break. And then in our next episode, we're talking about episodes eight through twelve. So that that is what we will be talking about today. Um. So let's do it. What the fuck, right? <laughs> we well, said we were going to do it. Let's fucking do it. Um. So Andor. Uh, the, the, the titular character Andor is of course, Cassian Andor, who is one of the main characters in the Star Wars movie Rogue One, which came out, oh, I don't know. I'm going to say 2016. Oh, I was going to say 2017. I'm pretty sure that. So like, I, I, I think I'm way under. Yeah. See, here's the right rule. So <laughs> here's my thinking and I'm probably wrong, but here's my thinking. I'm pretty sure Force Awakens came out in 2015. And then Last Jedi was 2017. Rise of Skywalker was 2019. So I'm pretty sure that, right, like, Rogue One was in the off year and then Solo was in the off year. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Damn it. Yeah. It's becoming my favorite. I think I'm I'm, I'm starting to like Rogue One. I've rewatched it a couple times. Rogue One's great. Starting to like it more than Empire. I don't, but I can see that. I, I feel like that is a defensible position, in my opinion. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while, and I'm getting more and more interested in rewatching it once Andor finishes sure. up. I think I feel like it'll make Rogue One a lot better. Yeah. So, um, so so one thing to talk about. Um, we'll talk about this more probably in the next episode once we've watched the whole season and go over. You know, I, I imagine the next episode we'll talk about not only episodes 8 through 12, but sort of our impressions of the season as a whole once we've gotten through all that. But my understanding is that Andor is set to be a two-season show. Um, so at the end of season one, we will be halfway through sort of the story they're trying to tell of, of basically... Does he live? I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler to say he lives considering he's in Rogue One and this is a prequel to Rogue One. <laughs> Although I, I like the idea that the second season is a time jump to after Rogue One and he's just dead. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, sort of what the show's about. The, the show basically at heart was kind of pitched to be, I think, a little bit about, you know, this character, Cassian Andor. Um, when you see him in Rogue One, he is... You know, you can tell that he's got, you know, probably some kind of like roguishness and like more than that, some um some wondishness. Yes. No. <laughs> uh no, I mean like some like you can Jewish. tell that there's like he's he's kind of like a bit of a rule breaker in his own way. Like you can tell that he has he, he has that part to He's us. a bad yeah. boy. Yeah, oh yeah. He's a bad he's wearing that leather jacket, riding around in that motorcycle the whole time. <laughs> I haven't watched Rogue One in a while. I'm right, right? <laughs> sure, let's go with it. Yeah, why not? Um, I may be thinking of Greece, um, <laughs> which is I, I always get that in Rogue One confused. <laughs> Same movie, basically, yeah, right? Basically, basically. Rogue One is Greece without musical numbers. Um, so they but, end the same way. Yeah, they're completely the same way. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't know. Can, can I, I just say I, when 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 we, to get us slightly back in the ballpark of the rails? Um, 
when they announced that this was coming out, I was super not excited for it. I was like, this sounds like they are trying to make something out of nothing. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. And then like, they kind of kept talking about it. And I was like, eh, I'm still not that excited. And didn't watch it when it first came out and went back. I mean, we're watching it now, you know, quite a while after it aired. Boy, I was I wrong about this. The <laughs> right. only reason I, I agree. The only reason I watch it is because people kept saying, like, you got to see the show. It's great. Yeah, this show. Um, I mean, well, we're, we're obviously only talking about the first half this time. But like this show is on like numerous like critics, like best of lists for like best shows of the year, like on on like top 10 lists and stuff like that, um, which I'm not even sure you, you know, I don't think you could really say about the Mandalorian. Um, you know, I'm I'm right now. 10 episodes in so i still have two episodes to go and we're not talking about some of those episodes today but um it's hard to compare this to the mandalorian because they're very different shows like the mandalorian gives you like the fun part of star wars and this is not that but um but this show is i i would have to say like in in a lot of ways the best star wars show like i don't know it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, just laying my well, cards right out there to begin with. It's it's hard to so you, say it's not for I me. I agree. Um, yeah, but if we're just if we're just kind of putting parentheses over the first seven episodes, um, and I, whatever, I'm on nine, right? So, Andor to me is a show, and we'll see how it pans out, and yada yada yada. But like the first six or seven just felt like really great sci-fi. Like it could, it happened to be in the Star Wars universe where Mandalorian was like, "This is a Star Wars show." Like, no, we have Star I, Wars I, characters, I, we have things, we have Yoda, we have the Force, we have Jedi's. Like, this is not. This is like good sci-fi that happens to be in Star Wars. Universe. I, I agree. It's like the I was, first thing I picked up when it when it started. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and like, this isn't totally true. Like, like what I was gonna say was like, I feel like this is the show most of all that someone who isn't really into star Wars could watch and, and enjoy. And I think that's true. I mean, obviously like there's stuff that you wouldn't get quite as much. And there's like little references here and there. And like some of the characters, if you know, star Wars, you know, they're going to pop up later, like Mon Mothma, for instance, or like someone like that. But like, um, but otherwise, like I, I, I agree with you. I think it's just, um, th this one goes a long way, I think towards at least in this first season and what I've seen so far of just like delivering on like what I've always wanted of just like, some separate story that happens to be set in the Star Wars universe. Mandalorian was that for a while and then kind of started weaving way back into like all the Skywalker stuff, um, which, you know, some of which I liked and some of which I didn't. But in any case, let me let me let me get, go back and talk a little bit about what the story is about. So the story is basically about um, how did Cassian Andor come to be who he is in Rogue One? How did how does he join the rebellion? How does he become this person who is extremely committed to the ideas and the ideals of the rebellion? And the Cassian Andor that we start out with on this show is someone who absolutely is not committed to those ideals. Um, he is someone who is, um, you know, basically he's he's a thief and kind of um someone who is just kind of trying to make his way in the universe like for himself uh basically um you know basically trying to um you know just kind of live his life like i wouldn't say that he like doesn't care about anybody because there are obviously people he cares about and we'll see that but he's not he has no ideals beyond just kind of like 
making sure that he's alive and that the people he cares for are alive and doing okay at the end of the day. And, and that's pretty much it. And then these first seven episodes, you know, at once sort of they, what, 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 what they basically do is they introduce kind of his support network, so to speak, or the, the people he knows, they kind of have an inciting incident into sort of how he gets or how is how he sort of forced to meet people who are involved in the rebellion and then it takes him th- takes you through sort of the first major event that he takes part in um you know not really believing in it but sort of being hired you know he, he through you know and, and that's most of these episodes basically i think probably episodes like 4 through 7 basically are are on on in his story they are um you know he gets hired to um, join a team of rebels who is seeking to um, infiltrate and, you know, more or less um, incapacitate the garrison in, on a planet or moon. I don't remember if they ever really say what it is called Aldani um, and and basically steal the, the payroll for the entire sector that's stored there. Um, and that's kind of what we go through a lot. And then you know, that story is intertwined with a couple of other ones for some characters, you know, a couple of whom we kind of know and some of whom we're introduced to. I guess I guess there is five, four other threads that we follow in different ways, some more than others. Um, you know, they're the, the other threads we follow are the people who he leaves behind on the planet of Ferrix. Um, we don't see too much of them, I think, in these seven episodes, but, you know, the the the. They've, it's like Bix, and... right? And his and his adopted mother Marva, you know, would probably be like kind of the main people we see there, right? And Bix, who is sort of his mechanic friend, possible, you know, they had a thing maybe at some point. Um, yeah, ex girlfriend. Yeah, she makes yeah. mention to it at some. Yeah, point. yeah, She's yeah. Like, she does. Um, yeah, she does. Her boyfriend thought this like thought did he think we were back together or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's in episode seven. I think they mentioned that when he comes yeah. back home after the after the heist. Yes. Um, and then another story is um, the person who recruits um, Cassian in the first place, um, we know as Luthen, um, played by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, and you kind of have his story. He um, poses as an antique, as, as an antique stealer on Coruscant. So, the, you know, the capital of the empire. Um, but he's actually kind of a major sort of funder and organizer for what is kind of becoming the rebellion. And they kind of go into the fact that the rebellion isn't really like the rebellion with a capital R it's like different factions, all these different groups in different planets that are sort of fighting against the empire in their own way and sort of the need to like, maybe try to organize them into something more where they're, where they're kind of coordinating attacks or and coordinating what they're doing. Then you have another, yeah. sorry, go ahead. But before I, yeah, no, I'll, I was gonna, I was going to say about that specific storyline. I think it's very interesting because I don't know if either one of you have seen the Star Wars cartoon Rebels, um, but it's roughly the same time period. And it's about like a group that becomes a cell in the rebellion and how they come at it from a completely different angle. Mm. And one thing I really like that Star Wars has been doing, and they're doing it with this show too, is showing how the rebellion got pulled together from different people who have different values and different ideals and different ways of doing things, but they kind of need to get organized and get their shit together. Um, And I think that's that, that part of it I find really fascinating. Totally cool. Yeah. They're doing a good job at that. 
Yeah, like I don't, you know, I I realize that um among people younger than us, I feel like the prequels have a certain cachet to them that they just don't with us and never will. And one of the things I always hear about the prequels when people defend it is that it's like, well, you know, they're getting into like the politics of how things work. And it's like, that's fine. I have no issue with that. I just think the prequels kind of did that very ham handedly a lot of the time. I feel like this show does it very well. I, I really enjoyed the the like intrigue in in that story, like you said, like kind of the nuts and bolts of sort of like what has to happen in order to kind of organize and, and just get funding for like all the activities they're doing. And then also like what the cost is to those people who are having to like kind of hide their true bases and sort of live in plain sight, you know, and, and sort of, you know, act. Um, there, there's a great scene like a scene that I love with um, with Stellan Skarsgård with Luthen, which is um, I think in episode three or maybe four um, where he has finished, he has dropped off Cassian to the, to the group of rebels who they're going to be helping. And he's on his way back to Coruscant and he puts on his wig. He puts on all of his antique dealer stuff. And then he like practices this look in the mirror that he like has to give. Gets into yeah. Character. And it's great. It's so well done. It's, it's like, you know what he's doing. And, and I just think it's so, well observed that that little scene i really enjoyed it so when does he so show while up? you're talking about that oh sorry why while you're talking about what these people have to like endure to do this a thought that is constantly in the back of my head is the other star wars movies are not about people who have been in the rebellion their whole lives and are doing these things right because uh, yeah, that gets pretty samey after a while so they're not going to be like that so what we're watching is basically like, oh, there's there's these people who come in at the last minute and do something very heroic. And then a huge background now of like people who have like fucking like been slogging it out for years. And I wonder just how that's going to make things feel now. It's like, oh, th like, like, you know, Cassian and the people he's been working with have been like fighting the Empire for years. And this fucking farm boy shows up and like blows up the Death Star after being with them for like a day and a half. Right. Um, and th there's even a little of that in Rogue One, right? Like if I remember correctly, like that's kind of the attitude he has at first when Jyn Erso like meets up with them. Like I think he even like gives her shit and like has a big thing about like he's like, you know, I've been doing this. Like I've risked my life. Like I've done horrible things in the service of like the rebellion in the service of this. And like, what have you like, who are you? Like, what have you done? And then and then, you know, she wins his respect and and friendship as the movie goes on. But but yeah, totally. I was thinking that, too, how it's, you know, kind of it's interesting to, like, think about all the work and all the time and the deaths that they've seen among friends and all that, like all that, you know, all these people who are like in the rebellion, like the people we see in the background of like Star Wars or you know, I guess a new hope, whatever you want to call it, like actually have. Like it, like it is interesting to think about that a little more. What episode did Stellan Skarsgård show up? Was it two or three? Uh, three, I believe, is when is when he actually shows up. He might show up a little bit in episode two. I think at the I think at the end is, of is two, when he we lands see him. is when he like gets there yeah. and then he's like on that little like ferry thing with that like other guy, the bus, he's the guy who like keeps talking to him and asking him questions. I like yeah, that I guy. like him too. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about the first seven episodes. The first two to me were like, nothing really happened. 
It was just no. really good acting. It was really beautiful, and the show feels like it started when when Stellan Skarsgård showed, showed up. In particular, well, the first three when, were, his, when he was gonna say when he had his first scene with Cassian, I was like, right. "Oh shit, these are two really good actors with good dialogue and a good like action scene getting out of a jam." I was like, "Okay, th- th- this is gonna be good." And the first three were released together. They all dropped on the same yeah, day, which was good. So like, no one had to like kind of yeah. I think and they they are the three like are of a type like because w- you're right, Willie. Like the story really starts at the end of the third yeah, episode. You would not want to have to wait a week between episodes one and two because it or or even two and three because it would be a lot. Like it's like what's going on in this? Like I mean, one they has lost like, people, right? Yeah, I mean one one at least has like the opening part where he basically kills two. What are they? The corporate security guards on on Morlana one, um, which which kind of starts the whole thing in motion. Um, you know, basically he kills these security guards, and then the um, the corporate security people are like looking for him, and that he's like kind of a wanted man, and that's one of the reasons he ends up going with Luthen um, in the third episode. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, um, not that much happens, and and it really is like meeting and 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 he gets talked up in those first couple episodes. You know, it's like there is this mysterious buyer who Bix keeps talking about. They keep talking about the buyer's going to be here, the buyer's going to be here. And I feel like it really doesn't disappoint. Um, he's, Stellan Skarsgård, like I, I think back to like, I don't know how old he was when, like the first thing I saw him in, I imagine it's the first thing you guys saw him in too, it was Goodwill Hunting. Because I don't, I can't remember him being in much no. stuff before that. Oh, really? The Hunt for Red oh, October. Oh, of course. Oh, I forgot about Hunt for Red October. I always do forget about that. Which I, but he wasn't in anything I between those two, was he? I don't know. I, I just coincidentally, I, I love The Hunt for Red October, and I happened to watch it like four days before starting this show, so I saw a very young yeah, yeah, I, for, I, I forgot I he was in, in this. Uh, Hunt for Red October. I feel like I'll, I can always just think of like Sam Neill and like Tim Curry <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, he... Like... I feel like he has become such a like go-to person for like, I don't know, these like these roles where he's like kind of um I don't know, he's he's just he's such a good like just character actor to just like really fill out a role and fill it well. He does more in this show because I think he's actually a much more major character than like something like, you know, his like MCU role or like his Pirates of the Caribbean role or like stuff like that. But like He's been in a lot of shit nowadays. Like he's very much like this guy where it's like, oh yeah, of course, Stone Skarsgård just coming in everything. Um, yeah, but he does such a good job, I think, in this in this show uh, with this role, especially since he is not an entirely sympathetic character. Like you know, he's like he's like on the side you want to be on, but he's like he's got rough edges. I guess is kind of the way you'd say. Not not in terms of like, you know, he's he's not like a badass or anything quite quite that way. But it's like he as as we'll get into for for um uh reasons i think this happens in episode seven (laughs) hopefully i'm not moving over where i should be but like he you know by the end of this he is basically at the point where he needs to have cassie nandor killed um mainly because you know mainly because he knows too much about him and he doesn't want to risk you know he, he doesn't want to risk being exposed and so, like, he's not necessarily an, an entirely sympathetic character, but I and I feel like that's a role that Stellan Skarsgård plays very well. And not only that, like, not only is does he want, I think, reluctantly to have sure. Cassian offed, um, 
but he also the other thing is like he very much wants the empire cracking down on people so that right. to foment rebellion right. and he's basically like yes we need them like out there like hurting people and you know disappearing them and doing all that stuff so that the rebellion will happen and you know his i think his point is like this shit would happen anyway i'm just accelerating it so that a response right happens. right and he, otherwise and he, we'll just roll over and take right. it right and, and he has a line um in in i think that seventh episode where he says you know they've been squeezing us so slowly that we've started not noticing or something like that yeah and and he said like it needs to be a crackdown because people need to like like he doesn't say it this way but it's like people need to get mad like people need to be outraged and the only way that happens is if like they overreact and like really come down hard on people yeah which is a fairly controversial yeah you know opinion yeah yeah because it causes a lot of suffering I mean, it, it's it's easy to say in the abstract, but in truth, what you know what that means is that lots of people who are not you, a comfortable person who like lives in the capital of the empire, are having to deal with, you know. And one of those ends up being Cassian in a lot of ways, since he doesn't know it, because you know, at, at the end of, uh, you know, at, at the end of this seventh episode, he is basically arrested for nothing, more or less, and sentenced to six years in prison kind of kind of out of nowhere and and because of this crackdown in a lot of ways right because of the heist he pulled off <laughs> right exactly but 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 his arrest has nothing to do with that heist <laughs> nothing yeah nothing at all i kept i kept wondering when he was going to be arrested because like they they pretty much telegraph in like previews and things that he's in prison right. for some of this series so i kept thinking like okay like they're gonna find him at the end of episode three and throw him in jail or nope that didn't happen okay they're gonna catch them during the heist it's gonna fail they're gonna put him in jail nope that didn't happen oh he just happened to be around during civil unrest and gets arrested i did not see that coming right i was a little confused by that scene to be honest with you um because it it happens at the beginning of episode seven right no it happens at the very end no it's the end Yeah. yeah The seventh episode is basically the fallout from the Aldani heist, um, where, you know, he basically he goes back home to Ferrix. He tries to get Marva to leave with him and she won't leave. He talks to Bix, who tells him that everyone's mad at him because they've cracked down in Ferrix yeah. and it's because of him. Um, and then he ends up going to like he was... other planet. Yeah, yeah. To, like hide out. So what happens, what happens in the first three episodes and I don't think happens in the next three is uh, the first three. There's a lot of. uh time hopping where we're basically going back to his childhood right and we're seeing they're, they're telling the story of him and when that scene started it wasn't 100 percent clear to me whether that was like from a past life or if that was like happening in real time did he leave the planet he was on and is he on a new one or is this like a flashback to something else like there was like a hot oh, minute right. there where it was like when is this happening and like what's going on because i don't know this woman that he's with and like he's hiding shit like I guess it's well, happening oh, at now. The end, but he's on Space Cancun. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I, I, was, I was a little unclear in that moment, like, what had happened. And even right. when the next episode started, I was still like, which is out of our purview right now. But even when the next episode started for the first 10, 15 minutes, I was like, when are we, basically? Yeah. And, and, and that is worth noting. It's good that you kind of mentioned that, that, yeah, in the first three episodes, I think it goes away after the first three episodes. But in the first three episodes, yeah. there is like a whole nother series of flashbacks to Cassian's childhood when he was just called Casa, I think. And like basically he lived on this planet called Minari 
and um Can- was canary canary you're right you're right canary um and was basically like part of like kind of a like a tribe more or less of like kids like it looked like there were like only kids there didn't it seem that way i, I don't know if that was due to some kind of no, seemed like that seemed like a little uh you know lord of the flies lord of the flies yeah they make reference to the fact that the planet had been kind of like rendered like in uninhabitable almost by like mining accidents. And so maybe this is like a post-apocalyptic thing where like the only people left are like these young kids who have like formed into tribes. It, it, they don't really get into the details of that, but he is part of this like tribe, you know, that is like, they're all like, I don't know. The oldest person there has to be like 18 or something. And they all go to, um, you know, they, they they basically go to explore a, uh, I was going to say Imperial, but I guess is it technically? It's, I think it's, well, it's it's Republic because this is, I think, pre-Empire. Like when he's a kid, this is before the Empire is yeah, formed. I, I think, well, it doesn't right. really matter, but I think the, the, the survivors of the shipwreck were wearing separatists. Oh, uh, were they? Yeah, you, you, you know better than I would. I thought, I, I, I know at one point they, they re- like, I thought Marva and Clem like referenced the Republic or something in those flashbacks. I th- yeah, because the Republic were like coming oh, after them. Too. That's that's yeah. what it was. it was. There was a Republic frigate on its way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so so maybe they're separatists. You're right. Anyway, a ship crashes and this tribe goes to investigate. Um, the leader is killed by one of the one of the people on the ship. Although almost everyone on the ship is dead from some weird poison something that they don't really get into. Um, and all of the other kids leave, but Cassian stays to basically just look in the ship and then he starts destroying things and at that point his foster or, or his, his adopted mother marva and his adopted father clem um happen upon him in this ship they're they're trying to like scavenge things basically for money um i got the impression that cassian saw his reflection and was couldn't believe how old he was and that pissed him off that he like had been basically on this planet or like whatever trapped in his situation like for much longer than he thought he was and that's why he was smashing that place that up. makes sense because when i saw it i just thought it was like he saw his reflection and was like mad like weirded out by it or something like one of these things where it's like some primitive person seeing their reflection it's like well they have water he would have seen his reflection at some point it's not like he's never seen a reflection or anything like that um so what do you right. say makes a lot more sense i think <laughs> than like at the time i was just like i don't think i get this but that's fine um, yeah, I, I my my headcanon in this, and maybe we'll find this out later. My headcanon is that like the adults of this planet were either like, you know, conscripted by the Imperials and killed in the mines, or the mining accident like killed all the adults but didn't kill the kids, which is why when the ship crashed, those people were like dying or whatever, like they were affected by the grown up disease or whatever. Right, it was right, right. Was yeah, something something like that. Um, yeah, that would make sense. But basically, th- th- these flashbacks occur throughout the first three episodes, basically to give you a sense of one kind of who Cassian was before, you know, where, where he really comes from. And I think it's also to give a sense of the fact that, like, you know, that Marva, um, his mother is not like his one, not his birth mother. And two, as you find out, she basically I mean, for his own good, and it kind of makes sense, but like she knocks him out more or less and like takes him away like forcibly from that from that planet and i think that that enters in i think to her 
the way she acts towards him is in certain ways later on is that I think and they never get into this. So I'm just reading between the lines here, but I think she feels a certain amount of guilt in certain ways as to like the way his life has turned out and that like she's kind of in a way responsible, like like she has a she has a, a knowledge of what his life might have been otherwise. I mean, he might have been killed. Who knows? But like, well, that's what right. she thinks, right? Yeah. Do you think do you think it cheap not cheapens but like do you think it slightly undercuts Cassian's story that he wasn't just like a quote-unquote normal didn't have like a quote-unquote normal upbringing of just like hating the empire but had like this special and unusual upbringing because um, I because in my mind part of Cassian is like he is like everybody in the rebellion has a, has, has a story like his right? right like they all hate the empire for whatever reason and that's kind part of the point of this but then they give him like this special backstory too at the same time which feels weird i didn't find it cheapens like i i think what i would say is that it's like i don't quite get why he has the backstory he does like what is the reasoning for having that i mean like you could say plot wise there's a reasoning because it like it, it makes him like sort of an other which makes it a little helpful in the beginning when the corporate security are specifically looking for someone from Canary. It like may it maybe explains a little bit why he looks a little different. Like he, you know, like Diego Luna is Latino, and it like he has a bit of a different look than some of the other people that you see in Star Wars. Um, a surprising number of the people on the show are like Scottish or something. <laughs> like everyone has Scottish accents. It feels like, and not a lot of aliens in the show no, either. Not a lot of aliens at all. Um, which I guess makes sense because we've primarily been at, at least in the beginning it makes sense because we've primarily just been on Ferrix and I guess like the inhabitants of Ferrix look like us they look like people they called them humans which I always thought Star Wars was careful not to do was to say like these people are actually humans but they do say that in this show oh, that, that I didn't humans. notice that that is kind of interesting I got they, a couple things to add there which is I think that um I don't know if we're going to see Marva again a lot or whatever, but um, in episode two, as this, the show to me seems to be like a, a reminds me a little bit of Boardwalk Empire, where like the first couple episodes were slow, but you felt like, well, the acting chops in this are so good. It, 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 it's got to develop into something and eventually became my favorite show. It was just so it was a slow burn, slow burn. And then it just like it was fire. And marva there there was where in episode three um diego luna and stellan skarsgård when they met it was like great scene episode two there was a really good interaction between you know cassian and, and marva like really 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 good yeah um, there's a bunch the of good thing i would say that yep yeah, no, I, 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 I was, I was, I was just gonna say, sorry, real, real quick, just that, yeah, Marva's played by Fiona Shaw, um, who I think I know best as like Aunt Petunia from like the, the uh, Harry Potter movies, where she doesn't get anything to do, and it's like you can tell, it's like in this, it's like she's a really good actress, she's really good, um, and really and, strong scenes, yeah, really strong scenes. She has another really good scene, I think, in Episode Seven when he comes back and tries to like mm -hmm. get her to leave with him. She's really good in there in that scene too. But sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what I couldn't quite place, and I still don't think I have even where I am right now is where Bix falls into the grand scheme of things. Cause she's also looks Latino also, I, I believe in real life. She is. Yeah. Our, our, our is, is Latin also, but like 
it felt like they're maybe both supposed to be from Canary together or like I just can't I can't I can't place how they know each other yet. Maybe that gets answered in a later episode I haven't seen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it has it it, it, it feels like they have a very deep and long connection. It's like it intimated that way. It is, and we haven't really gotten into other than the fact that as as you guys mentioned, they they touches on the fact that they dated. Um you know, I don't I don't know beyond that. I mean it's one thing to just be with each other, but yeah, like you said, like they they clearly you know, like she she does a lot for him in in mm-hmm. the episodes that we see. Um, she cares, clearly cares a lot about him, um, you know, to to the detriment of her own relationship with her boyfriend. Um, yeah, so to, I, 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 I agree with the feeling that he was just a I just thought her, her boyfriend was a friends with benefits situation. Yeah, probably. Well, to her. Yeah. But to him. Right. No, I, sure. that's what I think. Yeah. I mean. Let's, I think I think I think we have the the world's worst example of handling jealousy by like fucking like calling the empire on your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. Yes. It's one approach. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um should we talk about should we move on to the heist episodes? Sure. Um and talk about those for a bit cuz I feel I like I fucking loved the heist episodes for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, they were okay. great. I I I'm with you. I will admit I watched all three of them in one night. It was the kind of thing where like I put one on at like nine thirty, and I was just like, "Fuck, I have to watch the next one." Fuck, yep. I have to watch the yeah. next one. Same. Fuck, it was, one in the morning. It was <laughs> so they, it was so well done. So the, it, it, let, uh, talking really quickly about the show, it is. Um, I don't think these episodes were written by him, but like the the show is showrun, and some of the episodes are written by Tony Gilroy, um, who is a very good movie screenwriter. He wrote like Michael Clayton and like a couple things like that. Um, but I, I feel like there's like a level of writing on this show, which is just it's so good. And and those heist. Um, so so I guess the first two, there are three heist episodes, basically. And the first two are all about like him meeting the rest of the team that's going to be doing this Aldani heist and then like training with them and kind of like, you know, sort of like the interpersonal issues that like come up, like seeing who the rest of the team is, all that sort of thing. And then the last episode is like the actual heist, like the whole plan all the way through everything that works, everything that doesn't work, you know, and, and I those three little episodes really remind me. You remember the movie Ronin? Yes. It really yes. reminded me of that, of like trying to pull a team together to pull it off. Yeah, this thing. I, yeah, I absolutely. I think that's a really good right down to the fact that it's like things do not like the heist is successful, but things do not go well. Put it put it that way. Um, like, and and I really like that too. I mean, you know, not not that I'm like rooting for people to die, but like, it means something when there's stakes and some of these people die. Even 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 though like you know to some extent that like some of them, it's like yeah, they're just here to die. Like I'm not like no one, not everyone's gonna live in this. I, I wish I had noticed this, but someone did point out to me the irony that the um, the young socialist idealist rebel ends up literally getting crushed by capitalism uh, i didn't think about that either i didn't think about that either did you guys recognize that guy by the way no i i i thought i was like looking at him i was like i've seen this guy before i've seen this guy before so i looked him up and i was like oh he is the prince or the king or whatever in um in the last duel like the guy really, oh, really? yeah and and once i thought of that i was like oh he totally is that guy 
Yeah, like the one the one who's oversees the duel and then at the end is like like your wife like he's like trying to like get him to go over there and all that and he's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah wow. yeah so yeah here he's nemic the uh the guy who yeah who has his little manifesto that he's writing and is like the true believer basically uh in in the rebellion the, yeah the, the the young true believer you just walk in you're like this kid is fucking dead like there's no chance he's, this kid's gonna survive he's this also thing. he he's wearing he feels like he's wearing the same exact hat that mouse in the matrix wears <laughs> <laughs> the little, like, ear flap hat. <laughs> um yeah the the characters i think are really well done um you know in in that in that you know heist group and and, and like they take some real time with some of those characters like i think like you know there's skeen who's like the guy who's like kind of like most abrasive in certain ways towards cassian who goes by the by the nom de plume of clem uh, for the heist that uh, nobody knows what his real name is um because i think i think that skeen is at least initially he's very much like i am the only guy who really knows what's going on here and then when cassian shows up it's like oh fuck this guy is as you know as knowledgeable as yeah. i am yeah i i i agree um and then you know i think an, another one who's obviously very interesting who they go into a fair amount is uh Lieutenant Gorn, who is the, um, basically he, he is an Imperial officer who is secretly basically aiding them. He's he's part of the team and he's like their inside man, more or less. And he's like not just the inside man. He's like second in command at the garrison from what from what we can tell. Like he reports directly to the yeah. garrison commander. And, and is in charge of like a lot of the preparations and stuff that we see and as such is able to kind of like move things around a lot to sort of aid the rebels, you know, for for the for the heist. Um, and, um, and then, you know, obviously the other person worth mentioning, I think in a fair amount of detail is Vel, who is the sort of the leader of the group, um, you know, for overall, um, who is another, who's, who's another person that I was like, I feel like I've seen her before and then looked her up and she's, um, she is the, I can never say this right. The way in, in game of Thrones, the, 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 the girl who like who like teaches Arya to be a faceless man and then like fights oh, against her. Shit, she is. Yeah. yeah right. I never would have, I never yeah. would have picked that up. And then when I read yeah, it, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, shit. She totally is. Yeah. Um, huh. anyway, that's, that's, that's enough for this round of like, eh, where do we know that person from? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I really like how much time they take in those first couple episodes to get more into like the just like the the personalities of the different people because i think that's as important as anything to like you know this is something that even though it doesn't seem at first it's like it is cassian's first introduction to sort of the rebellion in in any sort of way and you know the way it ends in a way with with you know the the heist is successful most of the people die nemic dies and one of his dying wishes is to pass along that manifesto to Cassian. Um, and I have to think that's going to come into play at some point, you know, that, yeah, you know, I think so too, but that, that we will see that reappear and, and mean something. Um, Although I don't know where the fuck he could have put that, that he could get access to it again later, but who knows? <laughs> maybe he really prepaid his lease on that. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just Space sitting Cancun. in that box. <laughs> that's yeah. In, in space Cancun um 
yeah, what what other thoughts do you guys have about the uh, heist episodes? Uh, I got a couple, which is um, the show has been keeping me on on my toes quite a bit because um, if you think about it, like it's hard not to compare it to Mandalorian or other Star Wars stuff, right? And um, it became obvious by episode two of The Mandalorian, like, oh, this is like, sorry, I'm going to bring it. It's like a Columbo episode. Every episode has its own little beginning, <laughs> middle, and end. And we're going to wrap up that story and we're going to move on to the next one. And then um, this show, not so much, right? We had our first three episodes, which is like kind of getting to know Cassian. And then the next three were the heist ones, right? Essentially. And then seven is a setup and that and like it we seem to have three to four episode arcs in this show which is yeah abnormal i think for a 12 season episode right we would see that a little more in like 20 well, like it, old network shit right it definitely is and i think that's my supposition is that's intentional because i think a lot of shows that were like 12 or 15 or whatever episodes got pretty saggy in the middle in a lot of in a lot of cases and I think this is one way to avoid that. I know, like, the first three and the second three episodes were all written and directed by the same people. In, in other words, the same writer and director did the first three, and then a different writer and director did the next that three. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah, which I think yeah, is great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good idea. And then it, it's, it's interesting you say that, Willie, because it's like, I think that's true. And those are, like, the main arcs because it's, like, the Cassian arcs. And then you have, like, these other stories that kind of, like, don't have those, like, three-episode arcs. They're just kind of a long thing, which, like, they pepper in a scene or two, like, in every, you know, in, in every episode. Um, as they go it forward. feels like it's getting more ensemble as the series Yeah, goes. I think it is. I would imagine that it is heading towards... And, you know, in a finale for the first season. A finale could mean two or three episodes um but like you know a last set piece that involves multiple you know some of these characters coming back together maybe not all of them but some of them i bet you okay uh, if we're if we're gonna talk about the end of the first season here's here's my guess that it is going to be cassian and mon mon moth is gonna have to leave and like basically head to the caves or the forest hideout or wherever the hell she like I guess she's on Yavin Four in Rogue One. Um, she's gonna have to head there, and the first season is gonna end with Cassian and Mon Mothma meeting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that would. I mean, they they obviously have to meet. I would think at some point. I mean, they know each other. Right. In exactly. Rogue One, yeah. So. Part of me felt like that that might not happen till till season two because I only because I felt like it's like, am I wrong? Like, does she leave? Has she left already before the Senate is dissolved? Okay. Yes. All right. Fair enough. I think I, well, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought that was right. the case. By the way, the other thing I wanted to say is um, I legit thought this season was only eight episodes. So when nothing really happens in the first two and then it's like the next three were great, I was like, what the fuck are we going to do for the next two or three episodes, I, you know? Yeah, I, I I, found out before I started watching, but definitely going into it, it was a big surprise to all of a sudden look and be like, oh my God, this is 12 episodes. Like, I just didn't yeah. expect it at all. Like you said, I assumed eight, maybe nine, if it, you know. If maybe nine, extra yeah. one. Right, exactly. Um, which, you know, honestly, as this, as this show has gone on, ended up being feeling like a treat, that it's like, I, you know, there's more episodes. Um, 
yeah, like I've I've not felt bad about that. Um, you mentioned Mon Mothma, uh, Paul. Should we talk about that? Uh, that story. Yeah, a little let's bit? talk about it. And the first thing I want to say about it is, when the original Star Wars came out, I thought Mon was her title and Mothma was no, her totally. name. I didn't Same. think her first name was Mon. Hundred percent. I I agree. So she's a senator um, in, you know, on Coruscant, and she is secretly trying to fund basically rebel activities. Um, she sort of works with Luthen, with, with Stellan Skarsgård. Like, they don't work together completely, but, like, they're definitely in contact. And she's funneling yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But, but they, you know, don't, they're not completely chummy. Like, I think they have, you know, sort of like a, you know, she is. It, it feels through at least the beginning of the show, um, or through the part we're talking about. Like she is trying to rein him in in certain ways, and he is trying to like pull her along. You know, he he is more radical than she is. I would say in certain ways. Yeah, I I kind of got the, the the impression I got is that she's didn't exactly know what she was yeah. signing up for when she got in bed with yeah. him. Yeah, literally. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, her like. I think they 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 spend a, the right amount of time, I would say, on her story, because I, I do think like there is a, you know, her whole thing because she is a senator. There's a lot of sort of like the kind of like palace intrigue kind of stuff going on with her, um, like, you know, like playing the game of like pretending to be one way, but in secret being another way. Um, she's got a husband who is like not actively hostile toward her, but definitely non-actively hostile toward her like they have this very definitely interesting like, relationship that's like yeah definitely like she, i got the feeling like he's like there for a good time and like doesn't care like she has her ridiculous charities right. or whatever and he doesn't give a crap and just like wants to hang out with people right and, right they're you know, they're like super weird worm yeah, juice they're like super passive aggressive towards each other basically and like every conversation they have yeah and then she and then they have a teen daughter who like basically like hates her guts more or less and 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 i mean we know that she got married at like before she was right. 15 and i'm going to assume it was an arranged marriage so you can kind of see how like they don't really seem to like like each other very much right right exactly and 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 they talk a little bit about that and i you know we we are not talking about this here but they get into it a little more and future episodes um uh, that like that kind of has to do with their culture that the chandralin culture um kind of is sort of you know has this sort of you know marry young and you know and 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 they even get into like kind of how marriage is sort of a different thing a little bit in the in their culture than i guess in other cultures including probably ours um and all that's pretty interesting i do get the sense that if we spend a lot of time with that it could get kind of boring and sort of like kind of like yeah like you know it's a lot of like i don't know like i i i I like that we basically get a scene or two i think it's like a really good like palate cleanser in certain ways um and it's just enough to kind of be very intriguing towards like okay where is this going and how is it going to like fit in to like the other stuff and like you said we know that like eventually she's going to have to kind of leave and and you know end up hiding out and meeting cassian and some of the other people um, but it's it's interesting to see her like before that. Um, it was also kind of fun to see the Senate again, you know, from the from the prequels, like that big, you know, in those weird bumper car kind of looking things and all that. I was like, oh yeah, they got I, some imperial yeah, branding. Yeah, it's like going I remember that. 
I really like the, um, I, well, I, I may be saying something that happens in, a, in an episode we're not supposed to talk about, but I, I really like the passive aggressive, like, if I don't like what you're saying, I'm just going to turn my lights off. Um, if you're giving a speech in the Senate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> that was so... Like, oh, man, what a dick move. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah, that was so hilarious. And, it, like, turn their lights off and then, like, just walk out. <laughs> like, like, mm -hmm. like oh, I'm leaving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they drop, they, they drop Palpatine's name quite a lot in this show. Yes. And they haven't shown him, and I don't think they're no, going to. No, I don't to. think so either. doesn't feel like that kind of show. But... But they talk. They mentioned his yeah, name a lot, which makes sense. I mean, he is, you know, he is the emperor. He's he's he is the ruler here, and and like yeah. and and his name is being dropped, you know, in, in the Mon Mothma scenes because she is kind of opposing him, you know, in in terms of like imposing imperial overreach, as they call it, over and over again. Do you think there's um, going to be a payoff with her, you know, high school boyfriend who's kind of kicking around? I yes, I can I give you my sure. prediction? Yeah. Uh, it's going to make loser husband jealous. He's going to start snooping around, find out the actual truth, and grab the daughter and peace out. Oh, interesting. And basically, like, and that's when Mon Mothma's, that's why Mon Mothma's going to have to go into hiding. I could see that. That feels very reasonable. Although, that being said, this show fucking subverts all it your does. expectations. Yeah, so I'm probably yeah, totally yeah, wrong. It, 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 this is true. It definitely does. Um, you know, the other, the other thing we haven't talked about, dude, that is like, is this like fucking angry burned cop from episode right so, I was gonna, so, so, so there, there are two more stories to talk about that are involved in here one of them is cyril karn he's one of the is, arcs he's almost every yes. episode oh absolutely yeah yeah totally he is one he's probably the closest thing you get to comic relief in a way um not necessarily in the first couple episodes um but after that he um so he's basically the um yeah, like you said, he, he's sort of the deputy inspector or something like that um, in, on Morlana yeah, 1. De deputy tryhard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He, he's very much a tryhard who, um, despite being Jewish told mother. to just like, <laughs> yeah, so good. His, his mother <laughs> is rope. awesome. His mother is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did, despite being told to kind of just like let things go, he pursues Cassian in the first few episodes like with like sort of like a maniacal intensity um you know uh for for the murder of the two security guards in the very first like in the opening of the first episode and ends up getting completely burned for it like what 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 he expects to I be mean, not, rightfully oh, so i mean he got 100 oh, percent. he yeah he makes he, he played that he so makes badly. <laughs> a complete mess out of things and gets he gets fired for it um, and gets his boss fired for it for good measure. His boss who that yeah. poor guy, because like he fucking he fucking called it a mile away, exactly what had happened, exactly what should happen. Like he goes on a business trip and comes back and just like, what the fuck? Right. Like I told you what to do and you didn't right. do it. And then gets fired for like yeah. not not. And when, and when being he got confronted, there. he was like, I told him not to do that. And like, he's like, why did you tell him better? Right, exactly, more or less. Yeah, like people end up dead and he ends up fired. He goes back to Coruscant and is just like living with his mom, who is just like a master emotional manipulator. And there are just so many. There's like three straight episodes where it's practically just like a scene of him eating weird imperial soggy cereal. and Like blue. blue. Yes, that's right. All, All blue. blue. Yep. Like 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 imperial crunch berries or something um, while his mom just belittles him. Um, so there is a, um, a serial focused Twitter account 
that figured out what the cereal he eats Ooh. is. And it is a limited edition, like Trolls World Tour Twix, <laughs> uh, tricks, and but only the blue pieces. So some poor assistant somewhere had to take out all the to, blue pieces from like three year old bags of cereal. Had oh to get all the blue out of God. there. But that's what it is. That's awesome. Feels like it would have been easier to just bake some bake some cereal and put some blue food dye on there. Like get your Cheerios, get some food dye and some Cheerios, and call it a day. Yeah. They did a they did a, an interview with the actor who plays Karn, and he's basically like, "Yeah, in in my head canon, Karn only eats things that are blue, <laughs> and, and never eats anything that's any other color." But that's yeah, funny. so so he yeah he he basically um yeah he just like is just this like wreck of a man who's been like ruined like he he's been ruined by this. He um eventually gets a job at like the. Was it called like the Bureau of Standards or something like that? Like basically this boring ass bureaucratic job um, through like family connections, which his mom never lets him forget. Um, fucking Uncle Harlow. Um, and then like. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Who I hope. We oh, oh, absolutely. I hope he's just. Absolutely. Um, but like still cannot let go in his head of of Cassie and Andor because it's like you know, partially because he's such a tryhard and partially because it's like, well, this is what ruined his career, basically, like this fucking right. guy. Um, yeah, and, and you know, in, in later episodes, which might be past episode seven, like that kind of starts to dovetail a little, his story starts to dovetail a little bit with the final arc, I think, that we haven't mentioned up yeah, to this point. Yeah, let's talk about the ISB. Yeah, which is exactly the, the inner workings of the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, um, and our sort of point of view character in there is um Dedra Miro who's kind of a relatively new supervisor uh, I think she's like a year into the job from like working somewhere else but she's like very ambitious and also very good at her job like she's very perceptive yeah. and um it kind of shows her pitted against some of the other supervisors um and what she kind of believes and, and what is true is that the the rebels are more organized than the ISB and the empire thinks they are in certain ways that there is, there is an organized effort at the very least to steal and use, um, high end Imperial equipment. And, and not only that, but they're doing it in a way where the ISB would be blind to see it because of the way they right, operate. Right. Exactly. But so, she is sort of, so she basically this. has to like, right. So she has to like break the rules as it were to find the bigger pattern. And, has this like skirmish with another supervisor who was basically like, don't screw with me and gets, and she totally outmaneuvers right. him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for her, her superior. And this will probably be the last time I do the, where is that guy from thing? I'm sure you saw that figured could figure that one out, Willie. Cause he's pretty easy to tell who that guy is. Major Partagaz, the guy who's like the supervisor at the ISB is also, I remember who you're talking about. Also a game of Thrones alum. He's the guy who plays Quiburn. In Game of Thrones, I remember looking him up and being like, "Oh yeah, yeah I remember him." Yeah, now, yeah. Now I can't picture his face. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the old like crazy maester guy who like puts uh, that's right. Who, who makes the mountain into a zombie? <laughs> right, basically. You know, without knowing know, about I, this show, hearing you guys I, talk about it is fucking. I, I, weird. I love saying some of these lines because I am absolutely thinking in my head. It's like I wonder what Paul's going to make of this. <laughs> <laughs> Making, zomb making zombies out of mountains. <laughs> yep, Why not? Basically. <laughs> um, 
I love the way I love the way that guy runs a meeting, man. He is like he is on he is he's on so it, man. Imp- he doesn't he's fuck so around. imperious too. Like I I like I lo- like I like it is such a like game of like playing favorites and it's like, oh you're in? No, you're out now. You're my favorite. <laughs> like that's that's very much how every one of those meetings feels like it goes. <laughs> like what I really like about those that whole scene is like you really see the mechanisms of the empire mm-hmm. working, which you know like it's a huge organization, right? Like obviously there has to be shit like this, but like we're used to only seeing the top of it, right? The top levels, but like this is how it works, and like it's local government, you can even if you kind will. Of see, yeah, and you can see like why people want to get ahead and and like what they're doing, like you know. At the end of the day, like there's people there that are just doing their jobs or whatever, because like I get the sense that uh, I, I don't remember the character's name, but like the our lead ISB agent, like I don't think she's a true believer in the Empire. I think she's like, I think she's a Law and Order yes, type person, definitely. Um, but I don't think she's necessarily. Yeah, I don't think she's necessarily. She's not like Karn, who's like like fucking believes in the Empire hardcore. Yeah, she just wants a nice apartment. Yeah. Yeah, she wants, and, a, she wants a raise and a promotion and a nice apartment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know she 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 just feels like someone who's like really good at what she does and likes being really good at what she does. Also, yeah, yeah. for sure. That yeah. too. Um, yeah, I I think like I also like seeing someone like her, like 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 uh um, Dedra and and some of the other people as well in the ISB. Not all of them. But like some of the other people where it's just good to see people who are quite competent at their job in the Empire, because we're kind of used to seeing people who are not competent. Um, And it doesn't make sense that everybody would be incompetent. So it's like really good. It's like, no, these are people actually very good at their job. If there's any undoing that they will ever have, it's just arrogance, basically. Right. And, and, And just kind of like, you know, failing to account for things. And and in a certain way, she is not arrogant. Um. In at least in the fact that she, you know, does not dismiss out of hand the idea that the rebellion would be fairly organized and actually like kind of be fooling the empire in certain ways. And I think there's another reason that they're undone too, which is like their very sense, their, their sense of we are going to pit everyone against each other. And like, it's, there's no sense of like, let's work together. It's a, it's, they create like a super competitive environment so that when you, which the rebels exploit, right. By crossing boundaries that they won't cross because they won't work together because nobody trusts anyone. And everybody thinks everyone's out to stab them in the back. Right. Yeah. Which I, by the way, I know I'm, I'm, I'm shooting out a lot of theories. I got one more for you. Um, her, her assistant who has now like spoken up a couple of times to her surprise i think is going to be a case of like he i i think is either going to make a play for her or turn on her in some way in the sense of like oh she did too good of a job of teaching him how to get ahead and how to there's there's definitely something brewing there because he's very good at his job and he's been very supportive of her but yes i mean he's got to be pretty ambitious too yeah, yeah I think especially so. yeah. There's a scene which again might be in an episode pa- past episode seven, like it might be episode eight or something, where he speaks up during like a major meeting of like all the other people, and he's like kind of in the back, but he like speaks up to support her and makes a good point as well. But it's like definitely a thing where it's like, oh, like feels like you really kind of took a chance there. 
I feel very left out, guys, because Paul's got the um, he's like predictions man today. And this is a hey, it's that guy from that other thing. I don't have a what's your deal. Today. What's your date? What's your thing? <laughs> I, got, I got nothing today, guys. I feel very well, left out. Maybe maybe you can answer a question for me, which is like, how, how the fuck has the Empire not invented fingerprinting yet that like Cassian can basically like just use a fake name? And it's like, yep, that's your name. We're not no. going to check it. And, like we're going to send you to prison. And it's like. Yep, that's your name. Keith. Nice to meet sure. you, okay. Clem, Keith, whoever the yeah. fuck you are today. Yeah, I thought of that too, because it's like definitely a thing where it's like, I get the idea that like it's so far flung that just from like names, like he might not be in their database and like stuff like that. But like, but he was in prison before. Right, right exactly. It, 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 I agree. It feels weird that it's like, yeah, how do they not know this is the same guy? Yeah. So. That that was that was and 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 I don't have a lot of criticisms, but the other small criticism I love the other show is, it's kind of weird that at the beginning, he can like, travel between planets, but then like is immediately stuck, on Ferrix and like can't get off world. Like that's basically his problem is he can't get off world, um, no matter what. And like they kind of show him getting stymied, but like, I must it also kind of felt contrived. Yeah, I, I I think there is a little bit of like, like, and this comes up in other places too, which may be in episode again in episodes that were are further than what we're talking about. But like, I I am a little, I'm curious to know how far Ferrix is from Coruscant. Let's just put it that way, because <laughs> because 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 characters go there and then are like back, and then it's a little bit like it's like well like how. How long a trip is this? How long does it take to get anywhere in Star Wars? I'm never, never clear about yeah, how long it me takes. Either. Like, it's do true. people you spend the an problem hour in hyperspace? Yeah. Do they spend a day? Right. I don't they know. They have you hyperspace, have the but I don't know. Kenobi. Right, right. Yeah, we definitely talked about it in Kenobi. But it's like, it, to be fair to Kenobi, it's not just Kenobi. Like, it's like, I mean, I think, have we had this conversation probably? Right, maybe we had it when we talked about Kenobi as to, like, how long in, in, in A New Hope, like, how long were they on the Millennium Falcon before they got to Alderaan? Like, like how long right. was that? Was it a month? Was it a day? Like, I, I have no sense of, of like how long yeah, they were exactly. there and like what they were doing. It was, it was long right. enough to and play like, some chess and do and, and learn a little bit about the force. That's all I can figure out. Right. And like Luke fucking flies from Hoth to Dagobah in the X-Wing. It's like, he, is he just like sitting in that chair for what, three days or something? Like, right, like, right, 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 right. Exactly. Like how, how far, how long is that? How, how long were they doing that? Yeah. They really kind of elide like how long people might be anywhere. And and it's not a major part of the show, but it definitely like occasionally does come up where you're like, well, how long was all this? Like where, like how long did it take Luthen and, uh, and uh, Cassian to get to Aldani? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of planets in this yeah. series. They're all over the way. I, I have one more question for you guys. They, so I guess Tony Gilroy really likes doing, subtitle like location subtitles because he did them in rogue one and and they're doing them in here did you guys know what the five bby meant when it showed up at the beginning of the i did only because i've like read stuff before for star wars that's used the bby acronym that but that is the only reason that i know it nope So, so bby stands for before the battle of yavin which is which is the battle at the end of star wars that uh, at the end of a new hope so yeah so so five bby is basically this is taking place five years before the events of a new hope 
that 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 b- before the battle where the first Death Star is destroyed. Yeah, is yeah, that, that that seems to be a pretty major thing old... they use. Like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Do we know? Do we know how old Ma- Mando is? Is he like at this time frame? I don't think I mean, is he like a baby? Is he th- like in in the show? Is he like thirties or is he like normal people age or like? I don't think we know explicitly how old he is. You could probably know he's not 80, right? But I don't know if he's like human years or what his story is. Right. Why do you ask? Like, is he out there somewhere? Is that what you're wondering? Kind of, you know, who are we going to see? We like, there's definitely no, there's not a, there's not like not a smell of a Jedi in this. I don't think. No, I don't think there will be, but no. This show would take place somewhere around, I don't know, 18-ish years before Mandalorian does. So my guess is, like, if he's out there, he's still, like, twelve, ultra-radicalized <laughs> and, like, yeah, like an adolescent, you know, with the with his crazy Mando cult. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hope that we don't see any more... There's no crossovers or like cameos or anything like that in this series. Yeah, I agree. I mean, o- only ones that actually make sense for the story, like you know, like Mon Mothma is a major like character. Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that would make sense. I, I still hope we don't see him, <laughs> like un- unless it's really is something where it makes sense. But like you said, that would make sense as he, since he's also a senator. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one thing I've really liked about this show is just you know that it hasn't like done a lot of like really fan servicey stuff um and you know i think we liked fan service in certain ways when it got done like i like i didn't mind like the second season of the mandalorian was very fan servicey at times but i thought they handled it generally pretty well and so i was okay with it and then you know we talked about the fan service it hasn't been done so well like we i think we when we talked about book of boba fett we talked about like the whole cad bane part at the end where it was a little bit like eh, it feels like they just threw this guy in there and then killed him an episode <laughs> later and it was like yeah just like what is this um do you th- do you think um do you think this show would be as compelling if rogue one if it wasn't a prequel to something that was out there i think it would actually i've i've kind of forgotten to some extent watching it like that this is the character that we will see in Rogue One. Like, like I know that's the hook, but like having gone a fair amount of the way through it, I feel like I've almost forgotten that that's like a thing that we're like going to work towards in the end. Like I re-remembered it talking about this, but I feel like I, I don't know if they would have hooked in people to watch it in the first place. But I think once you're watching it, I think it succeeds a lot on its own merits, just just on the story itself. Yeah, I mean, it could have been called, like, Star Wars Rebellion yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm very... I'm to remember, I don't, think I, w- I don't think I was super connected to the Cassian character in Rogue One. He was a side character, right? I mean, he was there, and I, and I he was, felt him, but, like... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, like he's a major he, supporting character, but, like, yeah. Like, like he is, he's probably the second character. I was as connected to him as I was to the guy that was like, I'm at one with the force. The force is with me. Like, sure. I, care, I cared I mean, about them about the same amount yeah. when I saw it at the time. I mean, that guy's awesome. I mean, it's Donnie Yen. And yeah, he yeah, was just an awesome character. Right. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Like it, it, like, like you said, Paul, like when they said they were doing the show it was a little bit like, 
really him like why exactly um but i think it's been you know they clearly had a good idea for it and i think it's like really paid off with what we've watched so far it's it's been really cool really interesting it's like it is the darker side of star wars but i don't say that in a way and and it is legitimately dark like there are like meaning like you know bad things happen to people and it's like not it's not magical in the way that like some of star wars is you know like not at all but it's also like i mean we're 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 halfway through it cassian just shot first at least twice right right exactly and and you know we we will talk about it next week but like the next couple episodes that are coming after what we're talking about are like probably about as grim like they make the first bunch of episodes seem not that bad at all compared to what happens once (laughs) he's about to go to prison um but like but it's not like grim for the sake of being grim either like it's it's not like this like thing where it's like oh like this is like hard to watch because it's like just like like torture porn kind of stuff like i feel like it really gets at sort of like in a way that like you need to make the empire work like it's like it i think it's the show that i can think of or or the property i can think of and to be fair i haven't watched the animated stuff but like it's a property that I've watched for Star Wars that really gets across more than anything else of like why the Empire was so horrible in like an everyday people kind of way. Like like just showing yeah, showing totally. what like life under the Empire really means to people and like why you would want to rebel against it beyond just some like we should be able to rule ourselves kind of like high minded kind of thing. Um, right. And and I think that's really important to have a show that like that gets at this part of the story. Yeah, I agree with you because I think that it's and what's interesting about it is I generally tend to stay away from like grim and dark Me too. stuff that's just like, oh, you know, life is fucking terrible, isn't it? And but because this is a prequel, like that makes it you know because you know what they're building for, that actually helps it in a weird way. Because I think usually like prequels are not helped by being prequels um in a lot of cases but in this case that aspect of it it kind of is like yeah you're you're right and and like for me it's like maybe not necessarily the fact that it's a prequel specifically to rogue one but the fact that it's the story of like in some ways of how like at least parts of the rebellion come together and how the rebellion forms and you know that the rebellion is ultimately victorious like knowing that i feel like it's like it levies like the all of the darkness and like all of the really bad things you see with this idea of like, there will always be some hope because you know what is coming out of this. Like, you know, that something good eventually is coming out of this. Right. And like, even it, like, yeah, because if you didn't know that, like this could very easily be a series where it's just like fucking depressing and like, yep, everyone's just going to die eventually. Right. And like, and like nothing's going to happen, but you kind of know that's not going to happen. So, okay, that's right. Helpful. And it, I mean, it's the same thing that makes Rogue One work really well. But, you know, another thing where it's like the same thing where it's like ev- all of the people you root for die at the end of that movie. But like, you know, you know that like what they're doing is going to end up like like it is a very hopeful movie in the end. It ends with the word hope for Christ's sake. But like it like, you know, it is leading towards like you know helping the rebellion it you know it is the thing that directly leads to the death star being destroyed and everything that happens afterwards i can't wait to watch that movie again when when we're done with the show um, i've been champing at the bit to do it yeah i've seen it um I've, not since we watched the show but i've seen it a few times over the last year and 
um other than you know the 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 janky cg on on uh um peter cushing and and leia um which you had to look past a little bit i mean it was you know it was it was good for when it was you know you that that's one where it's like as much as you don't like the special edition kind of shit it's a little thing where it's like i wouldn't mind if they went back and did today's stick like <laughs> like like the stuff they've done for like you know luke and in, in the on the tv show kind of stuff like gone back and done that for leia and grand moff Tarkin. like 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 well we we didn't talk about it, but we all watched the indiana jones trailer yes. and there is a brief shot of a de-aged harrison ford in that trailer i mean i know it's like two seconds long but fuck it's yeah. perfect it looks good yeah it looks really good yeah yeah it looks it looks really good let's let's uh let's talk about that trailer actually in in a second but um we're not going to give grades or anything right now or or stars or whatever the hell we do yeah, we our, do yeah we'll do end. we'll do it next we're, 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 in, okay. in our next episode when we're actually done with the show and we talk about it as a whole but i think it sounds like all of us are thoroughly enjoying this show right now i i totally understand going through it why it's gotten the really positive word of mouth and accolades that it has like it, it's just really well done and 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 like i said like the kind of show that feels like it's like you don't have to like know or like star wars necessarily to to really like the show like it's like the themes in it and what's going on are kind of like broader than you know knowing something specifically about star wars the funny thing is because the show is so good i'm enjoying it quite a lot it's taking me longer to watch it because i'm waiting until I can devote my full yeah. attention to it and I'm not like falling asleep while I'm watching it. Now that, which that means I can't watch it every day, you know? Yeah. How, how have you guys been watching it as we've gone through? Um, I have generally been watching like at least like two episodes at a clip. Like I'll, I'll kind of find a two hour block and just kind of sit down and watch a couple episodes. And then, like I said, yeah, I watched all the heist ones all in one go because they just uh, sucked me in i stayed up too late so it it, it will be um, i have been watching like you know two or three episodes a week kind of a thing same same generally in chunks i think i did the first i can't remember if it was two or three i think i did the first two and then the next four and then the next three and yes. that's like honestly like I, I hadn't realized i had intentionally done it but it's like now talking about it and looking back in retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, these are all like kind of three episode arcs, I mean, three to four, right? So yeah, I just haven't, I know that like when I start whatever episode nine that I go through, I'm like, I'm going to want to plow through right to the end. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And it's been the same way for me, like, like two episodes at a time. And in some cases it's only been two because like, like you said, Paul, it's like, I, I want to do the third, but it's like, I'm too tired. And I like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, and like pay enough attention to it. Like, I just have to like wait for the next day to do it. But yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been really great. I look forward to finishing it and talking about the whole thing uh, with you guys about it um, in our next episode. So yay. Good for Andor. I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad yeah. we got around to this. And, and that I was kind of this was definitely a show like like so many shows on my list where it was like kind of like I will watch this but like when I don't know and so like this was a nice kind of kind of thing to sort of force me to, to start watching it and I'm glad right 
So, um, yeah, a couple things to talk about uh, before we get out of here. But first, let, let's talk about that Indiana Jones trailer a little. So the, the name of this, first of all, is just weird, right? It's it, the What's Dial the of again? Destiny, right? The Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, I believe. Do you remember in the 90s, there was some like a couple of Indiana Jones video games? Yeah, I don't um, remember what they're called, like, but I do remember them. I don't either, but Dial of Destiny sounds like it would have been like a LucasArts Indiana Jones game from yes, the 90s. Yes, it definitely does. It, it just, it, like, I think the issue with me is that it reminds me of the pick of Destiny, like the te- the, the Tenacious D movie. <laughs> so so I think that's part of it, too. That, that makes me feel like it's like the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, I watched, um, I watched the trailer and then afterwards, just because I wasn't sure, I was like, you know, before I get too excited about this, let me go and watch the Crystal Skull trailer so that I can remember, like, was I excited about that? <laughs> Did you get right, fooled? Exactly, exactly. And um, the Crystal Skull trailer is not not all that good. Yeah. Good. I mean, it's also like it's not from that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Like it's what, 2008, I think, or something like that. Um but like that's long ago enough that like watching that trailer feels like it's like they could have made this trailer better like i feel like they've made trailers better since 2008 which again like i said 2008 doesn't seem that long ago and and maybe they were just still making bad trailers then because i remember good trailers from before 2008 i mean fucking superman returns was like two years before that that's like one of the best trailers i've ever seen in my life i will still go and watch that trailer just to watch it uh, me too yeah, that trailer yeah. is the so teaser good. i should say yeah. not not the the, the the very first teaser the one that yeah, yeah is yeah. just the planet krypton music and the jor narration it's so fucking good yeah it's so good yeah. but anyway uh, yeah anyway but, but in the end it does. <laughs> that's not the trailer yeah. we're talking about no it, it uh it looks good it you know we'll we'll see what happens i'm i'm very cautious but it does look good. I know Hollywood doesn't work this way. I like to think they want to take Indy out on a high, and the Crystal Skull was not a high. So, not. hopefully, I I don't know. I hope it's good. I really do. Yeah. The effects look dope. They do. It was like really, really good. You know, and I don't know. Trailer made this movie look good. I'm interested. I'm gonna see it. I really hope that we just like control off delete that Crystal Skull episode. Yeah. I did part of I think they're gonna just fucking ignore it. Like I think they're I think they're gonna pretend it didn't yeah. happen. I, I watched really uh I watched that Crystal Skull trailer on YouTube and then was like looking at the comments and somebody commented you you guys have probably thought about this. I just never really thought of like this might be one of these things that everyone's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. like this has been talked to, to to death, but I never thought about but it was talking about like it's not in the trailer, but they were talking about the infamous fridge scene in uh in crystal skull and then somebody brought up the fact well it's like well you know why he survives that blast because he drank from the holy grail he's immortal that's right (laughs) i thought maybe this isn't true but i thought um in the holy grail that that you can't that 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 if that once you go beyond the seal it won't work anymore no, no, I thought it wasn't like a one dose and you're done. Like I thought you had to kind of keep drinking. Oh, from maybe. It to, so does that mean that the uh, to stay alive that that night, like he just drinks from it every once in a while? He's just like just yeah, constantly like drinking he's, from like it. Like every cup, every decade or so, he's taking yeah, a sip. Maybe, you know, that maybe. kind of a thing. Yeah. 
That's what we need. We need, we need a web because... series that gets into what that guy did. <laughs> what's what's really weird about that is like you clearly keep aging though. Yes. It's not like you it's not like he was frozen in time at like 30 or whatever right. he was when yeah, he went yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Like that's that's going to like he got there at 100. Yeah, he was already balls by the time he got there. He was already old. Been standing inside there. All of his buddies were spelling Jehovah with a J. I really wish I hadn't put this off for forty years before I came looking for this. I did yeah. really enjoy um, seeing John Reese Davies in the in the trailer. It's good, good, yeah. good to see Sala again. I have, I have no idea to what degree he'll really be in the movie, but even just to see him for a little bit was was good. So, yeah. agreed. So I'm looking forward to that. The other thing. Um, probably worth talking about is uh avatar the way of water (laughs) is it though uh i don't know i mean it's worth talking about it in some way so um as of when we are recording this it was just the opening weekend uh for for avatar the way of water um and uh it did okay. It's weird to say 134 million domestic as okay. Um, but that's not, you know, I think it was expected to do better. I guess one question. That yeah, was expensive yeah, movie. One question. So the original Avatar was fam- famously, like, did fine when it first came out. And then just fucking, like, people just kept seeing it over and over again. And it was, like, the top movie for, like, two months or something like that. Um, which is kind of an insane amount nowadays. Um, do you think this one will have a similar arc? In, in other words, do you think that unlike some of these types of big movies, which do ridiculous numbers in their first week or two and then drop off dramatically, do you think this one will have a lower drop off or do you think this will be ultimately disappointing at the box office? What's coming out? I think out? it'll be more like the first Avatar than a classic blockbuster. Like, to my surprise, which... I prepped myself for this, but it still managed to surprise me. Like people, I've seen a surprisingly large number of people on the internet losing their goddamn shit about this movie. Yeah, like like in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, like this is like the best thing I've seen in a decade, kind of way. Wow. Yeah. Wow like, is right. You know, he's done it again, kind of a thing. You know, like, and I'm just like, really? Okay, I guess. And like, it, it feels like it's very much like. I don't know. Maybe it's like a love it or hate it kind of a thing. Like people either really, really love it or really don't. But that kind of feels like what I'm seeing out there. And I'm, I don't know. I, I thought it, I thought it would make a big splash. I would have bet money that it would be a big splash opening weekend and then teeter off quickly. But now I'm really less yeah. sure. And, and I think you bring a good point, Willie, which is like, what else is out there? Um, Not a lot. It's coming out in the next couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. Like, like the big wide releases in next weekend are Babylon the Damien Chazelle movie which is not like not in the same range of like should I see Babylon or Avatar um and or and the Whitney Houston biopic which like you know those are just different I mean everybody's gonna be afraid of Avatar right like no one's gonna be like yeah we're fucking coming out the weekend right, after well, it, like let's put us up right, against and, and then after that you're into January so it's like you know like yeah. then then it's like a bunch of movies you never heard of basically coming out no, the big time is the big time is um, coming out the week between Christmas and New Year's. You're gonna have a bunch of kids home from college. They are the people that'll go see this, right? You're gonna have a bunch. You're gonna have a bunch of people with time off of work. Like, 
there's going to be a bunch of people that have their kids home that are like, I'm going to take my kids to see it. I, I was going to take them to see it this weekend. And Nolan was just like, let's do it over break. All right, let's do it over break. So there's three more tickets. Yeah, I don't think it's going to do the same every week, but I think it's going to have to answer your question. I think I, I don't think it's going to be like 139 million, then like 10 million. I bet right. you it has a couple of like seven, seventy and eighty million dollar weekends in yeah. coming up and some and some big days. Yeah, you think it's going to have legs? Basically, it's going to yeah. it's, it's going to last a while, which is a. Uh, but you can guys remember James like Cameron's fucking Titanic. Titanic. That's what I was going to say. Titanic was just like felt like every weekend it was number one at the box office. For Titanic like, two, like three months barely like, fell off. I I feel like it, like I could have the numbers wrong, but it felt like Titanic like made like fifty million in its opening weekend, and then was still making fifty million like six weeks later. It just like made the same amount for like for like ten straight weekends. Yeah. People kept going never back bet to against see it. James Cameron. Yeah. I uh, speaking of watching it during over the break, Willie. I, I found out that um, my kid's grandmother is taking all the grandkids to see Avatar, including my kid, who has not seen the first one, and told me in no uncertain terms that she does not want to see the first one before she goes to see the second one. It's a three uh, hour. Movie. I don't know how that's going to land. Yep, I mentioned that too, and she is eight. Yeah, like, I mean. Ugh. Somebody, somebody better be willing to walk her out of that movie forty-five minutes in and not right. go back. One hundred ninety-two minutes. Yeah, longer than three hours. Yeah, I when exactly. three hours was just like, maybe it's different now because we don't use you know cassettes anymore or VHSs I was anymore. Say, you can always tell by the number of cassettes were in the. But in I the rental. feel like th- over three hours you start pushing up on needing a third cassette. So th- there, there was a, there was a cutoff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if uh, I can't think of a movie, like maybe Dr. Shivago had like three VHS tapes, but I can't think of one that did. He was still two roots. <laughs> roots. <That was> <laughs> movie. It's the only one I remember. It was like a box of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was a big mini series. Yeah. Basically, like eight. That movies. like Ken Burns baseball. All right. Well, you'll you'll have to give us the uh, you'll have to give us the lowdown on Avatar, Willie, because Paul and I are not going to see it, and it doesn't sound like Amelia is going to see more than the first first half an hour. I'm going to end forty minutes. I'm going to end up waiting outside the theater to somebody walk around so I can take her home. Yep, I can feel it. it. Sounds like it. Yeah, if you go to the one in Rockaway, there's a Panera right there. Target, you can just hang out, get a sandwich. By the time you finish the sandwich, and the Tesla charger there too. By the time you get a sandwich, you'll be right on out. <laughs> you'll be charged up. That's definitely true. See, my kids like mostly just see trailers because I show them trailers. So they haven't seen the Avatar trailer. Or if they've seen a piece of it, like they don't care or know what it is. So I thankfully have not had anything like anybody, either of them asking me that it's like, can we see this or anything like that? It's a good idea. I'll show her the trailer, then we'll see how she feels yeah. after that. Exactly. Uh, she'll be into it. Yeah, she, it's a, she might, might be. I, yeah. I mean, it's bright colors and That's right. you know, say, it's a lot of bright blue well, it colors. Looks cool. You know, it's like a, a lot of the reviews I've seen. Even the like, I've seen quite a few reviews that like kind of say that it's like, yeah, it's got no story again, just like the first one. But like, all of them still say that it's like looks fucking awesome. Like it's like the the one thing I did here is. If you go to a high frame rate theater, the way that it ramps up to high frame rate and ramps back down again, it, like it goes between 24 and 48 frames a second and like pretty fluidly. And the review said it's very disconcerting. Oh, 
how often it's ramping up and ramping down the high frame rate. So they recommended go to a non to a, to a normal quote unquote theater. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that's weird. That. I, I don't it, even it know goes how you tell forth. in advance, but like in mid sequence, like it, like you'll just get like, like they said, like during an action shot or whatever, like you'll get like the the hero shot of the sequence in forty eight frames per second, and the very next shot is back in twenty four oh, again. That's weird, Oof. and and it's weird. That is so weird looking. Which, I mean, it's new. They're playing with the medium, but like that feels very disconcerting. I fucking hate high frame rate. <laughs> Me too. I, like, I, I, and, and it's like, I, I know it's like, you know, it's like they, the people who support high frame rate, like I always hear the argument of like, well, it's like, you know, it's like, this is how you would have always wanted to see it. It's like, yeah, maybe, but it's like, but we didn't. And as a result, like, it's like right. the only thing I associate high frame rate with is fucking soap operas. And that's what it looks like. Right. Every time I see high frame rate, it looks like I'm watching a fucking soap opera. And that is not what you want someone to associate this with. Like, why are you yep, doing this? I agree. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to, since this is a little bit of a not normal episode, I'm going to continue to be not normal and eschew for this uh for this episode uh going through emails um no emails i'll save emails for uh for for next week i don't mean that we don't have any emails but i'm not going to go through any emails in this episode i will save them for next episode i think we've we've talked for a while i want to get us out of here but had if you want to guys is that what you're saying what are you saying i've had it with you guys i mean i didn't say that you said it <laughs> <laughs> um oh great now we have something to talk about yeah exactly this week. well we needed something um if you do want to email us though you can email us at talk to potflix at gmail.com so there's that we got that going for us all right so this is the rare thing where we can say our next episode we know what we're going to be talking about it's going to be the rest of andor you just cursed us. It's oh, not going to happen. <laughs> this, this doesn't seem like it should be so hard. <laughs> Whenever somebody says the name Andor, I always think uh, I hear the words and slash or. or. I think, well, oh, yeah, it was always like Andor. And or what? Either or. <laughs> yeah. Either or. <laughs> I also feel like the, the opening few notes of like the main theme of the show sound exactly like. Or, or remind me of the opening notes of the Battlestar Galactica thing, where it's like you bit. know the 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 tinkly yeah. piano, and that was yeah. I do like um, I it took me a number of episodes to realize this that they like do that opening part like differently in every episode. Like I didn't realize it at first, and I was like, oh yeah, it's like it's like sadder in some. It's got a bit of a minor sound in some. It's like there's one where it's like very electronic sounding. Um. Also, do you notice how the skip intro on Disney Plus doesn't skip the intro? It, it just skips, skips, it skips the little the robot Star Wars bit. part. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we'll skip you ahead. Yeah, exactly. Seconds, so you can watch the. I still do yeah. it. <laughs> it's still, it's still like, well, I don't want to <laughs> see that Star Wars part. <laughs> I do think a great thing that the streaming services have done, and, and Andor does it, is the skip recap thing. Mm-hmm. Because the recaps, I so often will tip their hand about what you're going to see. It's just better not to yeah, know. Yeah, I, like, I think there's a on. use to that sometimes with, like, I don't know, especially if, like, you're, like, sometimes people just haven't been paying close enough attention or something, and it's a nice way, you know, 
but yeah, I don't think they should yeah, go away. But, but give me the, the, the opportunity give me to skip. skip on. Yeah, that was something. Like yeah. again, we're talking about Game of Thrones, but that was something that I felt like Game of Thrones always did like a little too much. Was like they really tipped their hands in the recaps sometimes. Of like, it's like, oh, okay, we're we're looks like we're gonna be hearing from this character. I guess sometimes you needed that with Game of Thrones because there were like fucking a hundred characters to keep track of, but. But like, yeah, I, I don't like it. I agree when sometimes it's like they, they put a piece of dialogue in and it's like, oh, I guess this like character or this thing that we like haven't heard from for a while is coming back. And it's like it would have been nice for that to be a bigger surprise. But now I'm like sort of right, primed yeah. for it. Yeah, I've been skipping all these recaps, so I have been surprised from, I don't know, whatever they they might have been tipping us off to. So. All right. More Andor next week. See ya. Oh boy. <laughs>